Last week we uh, started our series by 2020, and uh, we talked about the importance of setting God-honoring goals in our life. And if if you weren't here, I, I would really encourage you to go to our website. You can watch the video cast, or you can go to iTunes, uh, listen to the podcast, because it's kind of foundational to what we're going to talk about through this series. The fact is, everybody ends up somewhere, but only those who see clearly 2020 vision end up somewhere on purpose. And the fact is that people are more than willing to stumble through life, I'm convinced, without a plan, without preparation, without passion, and without divine direction in their lives. People are quite comfortable just stumbling along, just hoping tomorrow will be better than today. And the fact is, and we talked about this last week, we can influence where we end up in life. We, we can affect positive change, but the fact is we need vision in, in our lives. Proverbs 29.18, it's this foundational verse for our series, where there's no vision, the people what? Perish. You know, this series is about seeking God's heart. It's about getting a vision for, for your life. It's about implementing a, a plan, a God-honoring plan for your life. Everybody ends up somewhere, but only those that see clearly. 2020 vision, God-honoring vision, end up somewhere on purpose. See, vision allows you, with God's help, I believe, to gain ground by 2020. This could be a year that changes your life. You know, each week uh, we're going to focus on different areas. Today we're going to focus on, on relationships. Now, how many of you, do not raise your hand, how many of you have at least one relationship that's not the way it should be. See, when it comes to relationships, the, the potential in a relationship for intimacy, for trust, for connection, you know, the, the potential for that, that God-given potential in a relationship, I think is greater than what you can imagine, what you can dream of. The fact is, The flip side of that, the potential downside in every relationship is equally as great. When you're in a a relationship, there is the opportunity for betrayal, for hurt, pain, wounds. All that stuff exists. It looms large, I, I think. Relationships can be challenging, and relationships can be difficult. See, where there is no vision, people perish. You know, the word uh, vision in the Hebrew, it's hazon. It means to dream, to have a revelation, to have a vision, a vision from God. See, where there's no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision for our relationships, I will tell you, relationships can very easily perish. You know, every relationship ends up somewhere. 
but only a relationship where you see clearly, again, 2020 vision ends up somewhere on purpose. And I will tell you, this area is too important to just stumble along, wait and see where, where things end up. You know, we end up somewhere by accident if we don't have a plan, and I will tell you that the, that comes with a very, very high price. And today what I want to do is help us relationally end up somewhere on purpose. Now, I've got several questions I'm going to raise today. I, I want you to prayerfully consider each question, and I will tell you, Some questions are harder than others. Now, here's the first question. What relationship do you need to initiate in your life? In other words, is there a void somewhere in your relational world? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. There's a lot of commercials out, uh, Life Alerts, one of them, but there are other commercials and companies that use the same kind of tagline. Help, I've fallen, and I can't get up. (laughs) Yeah. It's what a lot of quarterbacks say when Aaron Donald tackles them, you know. Sometimes life hits you hard. Woe if you fall and you're alone and there's nobody there to help you. You know, in, in recent years, I, I realize it probably comes with age, I'm a lot more reflective in my life. And I reflect on, on just things going on in the world, and I look at some of the challenges that, and some of the uh, social issues in our country today, you know, the, our struggle with independence and then isolation. And I know as a parent and as a grandparent, we, we teach our children at a, at a young age, or I hope we do, that if you work hard, you know, if you study hard, that you can have security in, in your life. And that there's some independence that comes with that. But I I don't want to be misunderstood because personal responsibility is important. You know, work ethic is important. Personal competency, it's a must in, in our society. But life in isolation is a very frightening thing. You know, woe is the one who is alone and and they fall. You know, I was reading an article uh, a few weeks ago, and it's called The Epidemic of Loneliness. And in that, and this is shocking, nearly half of all Americans say that they are truly lonely. I want you to think about that. You know, loneliness, it, it has nothing to do with uh, how many social contacts we have. It has nothing to do with... Uh, who, who we say, oh, we've, we're friends with, really? The fact is, society is we have become more connected technologically. I think we've become more disconnected. And I have said this over and over over the last few months. We need to live life with our heads up instead of doing this all the time. You know, we, we need real life friendships 
with people, flesh and blood. You know, too often I'll, I'll see people and they'll talk to me about they're struggling and they feel alone and they don't have any friends and they're doing this all the time. Heads down, buried, buried in the screens and the fact is, they're, they're living in this isolation, and they're living with this loneliness, and they're surrounded by people, flesh and blood people. Woe to the one who is alone and falls, heads up, heads up. We need to have our heads up. Why? Because we need friends, and they're all around us. You know, society, it, it is uh, kind of... Uh, bent towards security. You know, security is in having independence. The fact is, security is not found in independence. It's found in dependence. Dependence upon God. Dependence upon the Christian community. And the fact is, too many Christians are living life in solo. And I will tell you, it's not healthy. It's not God-honoring. We were created for community. We need each other. You know, what relationship needs to be initiated in your life? I mean, think about it. Jesus, Jesus came to this earth, and he was looking to establish God's kingdom here. But Jesus, almost immediately, chooses 12 friends, people he saw kingdom potential in. These were ordinary guys. They were not perfect. They had issues. If you read scripture, they had a lot of issues and problems. But Jesus invests himself in them. He relationally is connecting with them. It says, when morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Jesus initiated the relationships. Again, I'm going to ask you, what relationships do you need to initiate? I realize as I look back on my life that this is something I've done most of my life. And it started when I was pretty young, you know, like high school age. And I will tell you, I've always considered myself pretty independent. But as I look back and I really take a deep look at my life, I realize relationships have always been core to it. You know, when I was a teenager and I was leading in camp, I, I put together a little faculty group to help me in that process. You know, when I was in advertisement, I had a creative team that I worked with. And as I stepped into ministry, I started creating teams because I needed people to help me. I needed that relationship. Throughout my ministry, I, I've had older pastors, more seasoned pastors that have mentored me. You know, John Webb and Dan Spruill, Roger Rominger. Some of those relationships were initiated by them. In other words, they, they caught me at some point and they said, hey, Damon, I, I see some potential in you, but I think I could help you. Would you let me mentor you? Would you let me speak into your life? And so we built a relationship. There were other relationships that I initiated because I, I realized I was in over my head or I was struggling or I needed counsel, I needed some guidance, I needed some encouragement along the way. But I will tell you, all of those relationships, whether they were initiated by them or initiated by me, 
paid in high dividends, high dividends. There are all kinds of relationships in life. I know couples that are recently married that have built relationships with people that have been married a long time. They're getting their relational cues from them. They're talking to them about how to navigate life, uh, how, to, how to do marriage in a God-honoring way. You know, I know parents uh, that they, they're helping other parents. And I'm not talking about misery loves company, okay? I'm not talking about where you get with people, you know how this goes, and they all get together and gripe and complain and that's all they do. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about parents that have decided they're going to encourage other parents. They're going to seek support from other parents. They're going to share ideas about how to be better parents. And so the fact is, they're just there for one another. You know, for some, it's finding an accountability partner to help keep them in check. And there are all kinds of areas for accountability. It might be in your finances. It might be an addiction. It might be spiritually you need somebody to hold you accountable. The fact is, you need other people. You know, some of you just need to get plugged in around here, somewhere in the church. You know, get on a ministry team. Go to one of the small groups or the life groups. But you need a connection, Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. That's God's design for us. In other words, get, get out there, seek God, ask God, what relationships do I need to be initiating? And then do it. Just do it. Here's the second question. What relationships need to be nurtured in your life? And I want you to think about this for a moment. This is kind of the two extremes in life. Oh, we're we're best friends. We're best friends. Friends for life. I don't want to do anything without talking to them first. You know, all for one and one for all. And then one day you talk to them. Yeah, we're not talking. I can't stand them. Who cares? You know, what happened? What, what didn't happen? Oh, I'm in love. Oh, oh, they're, they're perfect. Oh, they're, they're, they're just perfect. I can't stand them. It's over. I mean, what, what happened between I love you and see you in court? Well, I can tell you what doesn't happen nurturing. God has given us special relationships, and if we neglect them, if we do not nurture them, we end up somewhere, and it's not on purpose. There's something Cindy and I realized very early on in our relationship. It's a very simple concept, and I, I would challenge you to think about this. Our marriage is as good as I want it to be. Our marriage is as good as Cindy wants it to be. So in other words, if we work at it, if we prayerfully seek God, if we are intentional about guarding and protecting our relationship, if we make our relationship a priority, if we're caring for one another and submitting to one another and submitting to God, 
our marriage is great. But I will tell you that although marriage has these deep spiritual bonds, that if we neglect it, well, friends, your marriage can turn like that. Instead of your marriage enhancing your life the way God intended, it really becomes more like an MMA fight from Madison Square Garden. See, when you nurture it, it's amazing. When you don't nurture it, MMA, marriage made awful. How's your relationship? Paul writes this. He says, serve each other with love. I mean, how do you nurture a relationship? You serve. Who do you serve? Each other. The whole law is made complete in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you're going to go on hurting each other and tearing each other apart, be careful or you will completely destroy each other. Every relationship ends up somewhere. But only a few end up somewhere on purpose. What relationship should you be nurturing? I mean, so, so what, do you, what do you do? Well, if, if it's your marriage, do something about it. Do something about the relationship. Do something different. Do something on purpose in it. You know, maybe uh, pray and, and, and read a, a marriage devotional together. That's a good start. But commit to talking on a regular basis. Talk about what's going on, what happened through the day. You know, commit to going to see a Christian counselor. Commit to date night every week, every week. Without the kids. Why? So you can connect. You know, commit to romancing one another. Commit to stop fighting. Stop, quit pointing fingers. Quit blaming one another. Quit the avoiding topics. You know, talk, communicate. Commit to nurturing one another and serving one another. And you might be amazed. When you have a vision for your marriage, it can change. I mean, maybe, maybe you have a, a friendship that, that's drifting. And that happens a lot these days. I would challenge you to get intentional. You know, seek time that you actually get together and talk. Make arrangements to get together on a regular basis so that you can nurture that relationship. You know, call them once a week. I got a buddy, I try and call him every week. Just so I can go, hey, what, what's going on? Get it on the calendar. Make it happen. You know, maybe it's a relationship with your children, your grandchildren, mom, dad. Bottom line, you've got to make it happen. You've got to make it happen. You've got to get a vision for, for what you want out of that relationship. And a little word of caution here, because I know as I'm talking, some of you are going, well, I got, I got lots of friends. I got lots of friends. I, I've got 1,215 friends on Facebook. Got 923 contacts on Snapchat. And that's fine. That's fine. But friends, you can know a lot of people. And you can have a lot of contacts. 
In fact, you could post something, tweet something, you know, uh, and and have 10,000 people like your pick and still not have any real friends. See, friendships are relationships that you nurture. It's not something you keep count of. It's stuff that you nurture and invest in. You know, where, where you're spending time with them. You know, where the other person invests in you. And nurtures you also. One way, one way street relationships. If you're always having to do whatever, you're the only word of encouragement, never comes your way. Those are not relationships. They're something, but they're, that's not a real relationship. Not a friendship, anyway. Relationships need to be nurtured. And you got to get serious about this stuff. You were created for God-honoring relationships. Every relationship ends up somewhere. But only a few relationships, when you have a vision for it, end up somewhere on purpose. Here's another one. This one's a tough one sometimes. What relationship needs to be restored in your life? You know, it's broken. It's not where God wants it to be. You know, maybe it's a parent and you're just not close to him anymore. You know, maybe it's a son or a daughter. They've, they've gone the wrong way and you've kind of written them off. You know, maybe it's a friend that wronged you. Maybe someone hurt you at, at work or at school. Maybe somebody betrayed you. You're angry. You're holding a grudge. You know, maybe somebody stepped on your toes, offended you. Maybe here at church, ticked you off. Whatever, friends, maybe you messed it up, caused something to to cause the relationship to come undone. My question is for you to go to God and just say, God, what relationships do I need to restore in my life? I mean, how do you restore a relationship? Well, Really, it starts the same way for no matter what the situation is. Paul, Paul says this, make allowances for each other's faults. Here it is. Here's the way. And forgive one and anyone who's offended you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. You want to fix a relationship, it starts with forgiveness. And I know there are times that I do not want to forgive. Just don't. It's not in me. And God reminds me how many times he's forgiven me. See, that's the motivator there. Because I I realize I've sinned so many times against God. I've went the wrong way intentionally. In fact, I, I could spend the morning just all the times that I've been an affront to God. And when I look at that stuff way beyond anything anybody's ever done to me. And yet, God forgives me. And so, although it comes hard, you've got to learn to forgive. What relationship, what relationship needs to be restored? Again, I'm not saying this is easy stuff. We're human. If someone has hurt you, really wronged you, and wounded you really deeply... I'm guessing everything in you resists 
getting close or even in the same room with that person. You know, you may be filled with pain and anger and fear. And if your emotions are involved, it's intense. And you may fear confronting them, trying to deal with it. I understand it can be paralyzing. I get that. But I will tell you, harboring the pain and the brokenness of a relationship comes with a high, 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 high price. Now, some of you are paying a high price for something that happened years and years ago, maybe decades ago. Some of you have never really dealt with that stuff. And if you knew the true cost to you personally, well, it's off the chart probably. And here's, here's my challenge to you. Set yourself free. Set yourself free. Put that stuff to rest. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just something that's bugged you for a long time. You know, you broke the relationship off because of something you thought you heard or someone told you. In other words, go talk to them and get things straight. Take a step. Do something about it. You know, when... The, Right now, I mean, just close your eyes for a second. That person that you're seeing right now, that's it. That's it. Take some steps to restore. Now, I am not suggesting that that everything go back the way it used to be. I'm not suggesting that, that the person will respond favorably. They may or may not. You may get an earful. But there's a few things that'll help you. One, focus on the relationship, not the issue. Before you talk to them, try and step back and put yourself in their shoes. And I've talked about this a lot through the years. You know, attempting to try and understand where where they're coming from, as, as hard as it may be. You will never gain ground with anyone or any relationship if all you do is speak and you're not listening. That's the problem in our country today. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be realistic. And get this. This is, gonna, this is newsflash. You do not have to agree about everything. You don't. Paul says, don't mistreat one another. Who is, don't mistreat someone who has mistreated you, but try to earn the respect of others and do your what? Best. Do your best to live at peace with everyone. That's God's design for relational peace. Now, there's always an exception. I mean, you may talk and try and work things out, and you might start having the relationship again. You might talk and and work things out, but because of what happened, you are not starting at square one. The fact is you're rebuilding from kind of a deficit because you've got to reestablish trust. You've got to rebuild and and start trying to connect again and figure out what that is. You may talk, and because of the situation, you may never be close again. You may try and talk, and they may refuse to even talk. And that's why Scripture says what it says. Do your best. Do what you can. And if they won't talk, 
this is my words, but it's what Scripture says. Move on. Just move on. You did what God expected you to do. One more. What relationships need to be severed? And I want everybody to listen very, very carefully because I do not want you going out of here and misquoting me or sharing something that I did not say. I am not talking about unbiblical divorce here. You know, by that I mean, oh, my my spouse drives me crazy. They're nagging me all the time. That's it. I'm out of here. All right? That is not what I'm talking about. What I am addressing are relationships that are outside of God's will, relationships that are not God's design, relationships that are hurting your relationship with God, that are hurting you. You know, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. It's easier for bad company to drag you down than it is for you to pull good company or bad company up. My, my parents used to, they had a saying all the time. They, they would catch me when they'd see something in, in my life and they'd go, Damon, you are who you run with. I did not like that. Sometimes it just, I'd walk away and think, what do they know? But they were right. It is, it is a good guide in life. You know, parents, once in a while, they'll, they'll catch me, and they're like, hey, I'm not really sure about the kid, my kid's starting to hang around. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure who the kid really is, and I'm not sure my kid's being straight with me about who that kid is. You want insight. It is very simple. You take a look at that kid and who they're running with, and it will give you insight. You know, once in a while, someone will catch me, and the different situation each time, but really very, very similar, and the questions are similar. Someone will catch me and go, oh, pastor, I, th- I think this might be the one. I- I'm not sure, and-, and I know I've been burned a few times, but, but he-, he says he's a Christian, and I just don't know. I'm not sure if he's being real with me or if she's being real with me. And I always give the same advice every time. I go, well, if they're pursuing God, it will reflect if you look at their friendships. If, if they're pursuing God and they're surrounded by a group of people that God is totally off the radar, chances are they're not shooting straight with you. And they'll say, well, then what do I do? Get out. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. Paul says, I-, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sins, greedy, worships idols, abusive, a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. And I know some of you right now, you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that, that, that doesn't sound right. I, I mean, we're supposed to love everyone, right? Yeah, you're right. We are. We're to love everybody. We're to respect people, even people that we disagree with. We're to be kind to all people. But we are not supposed to run with everybody. 
You know, if you're in a relationship that is hurting your relationship with God, if you're in a relationship that is eroding your spiritual growth as a person, if you're in a relationship where that person is always putting you in a tempting situation or causing you to sin, it is time to stop. And, and I know this is tough stuff. But for instance, you, you have a business partner. And your business partner lacks integrity. I will tell you, either redefine the relationship or sever it. I mean, if you have a a friend that is always putting you in tempting situations, you either redefine the relationship or you sever it. You know, you have uh, girlfriends that are always trashing the men in their life. I will tell you, ladies... It's destructive, and you either redefine those relationships or you break away from it. And guys, I'll say the same thing. You're hanging around a bunch of guys, and all they do is trash their wives. It is poison. And you either redefine the relationship or you break away from it. You know, if you're married and you're flirting, that is dangerous stuff. You know, you're married and you're involved with someone that's not your spouse. Sever it. Be done with it. You know, you, you don't flirt. You don't play and see where things might go. Oh, it makes my ego feel so much better. You don't make one more call. You don't text. You, you don't send emails. You just sever it and you walk away. You walk away. And I want to say something to single people. You know, some of you are in relationships, and, and you're feeling that pressure sexually. You know, it is outside of God's bounds. It's outside of his will. And I know culture says, oh, yeah, dating and sex, no big deal. They're the same thing. They're not the same thing. You know, they're not. They're, they're outside of what God would have. I would challenge you to sit down and have a conversation about it. Let, let them know where, where you stand, that, that your values matter and God's values matter. And, and if they continue to pressure you, go, hey, I'm out of here. I'm done. Your relationship with God's the most important relationship, period. That's not our focus today. I, I thought, okay, do I go into the... I'm going to talk about that in detail in a few weeks, but I want to say this about that relationship because I know some of you, you're at that point and you're like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know for sure about where God fits and Jesus and all that stuff, and you got more questions than you got answers, and that's okay. You know, some of you, you may be at a place in your relationship and you're like, I really, I really want to grow. In that, and I want to go to another level this year. I would encourage you, encourage you, sign up for the class David talked about a little bit ago, Rooted. It's five weeks. Either place, if you're like, hey, I don't know where God's at, or man, I want to grow, I guarantee you, you'll be glad you did. Our, our staff went through this uh, earlier in the year, and it, it will it will help you. It will help you in that relationship. So I just encourage you to take that time. This week, I want you to set aside some time this week. Reflect, 
evaluate, assess the stuff we talked about last week, and be honest with yourself and just ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to give you vision. You know, what relationship do you need to initiate? You know, maybe, maybe you need a close friend. You don't have one. Well, that doesn't just happen. Maybe you need an accountability partner. Maybe you need a spiritual mentor or a business mentor, whatever. What relationship needs to be initiated? What relationship needs to be nurtured? You know, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with your children. You know, maybe it's with your parents. You know, maybe it's a relationship with a friend and you realize you've just drifted apart. What do you need to be nurturing? What relationships need to be restored? In other words, who do you need to forgive? You know, who, who have you hurt? What relationship's broken? And you know God doesn't want it that way, and you need to do something about it. And then what relationship needs to be severed? Because it's destructive, it's unhealthy, it's hurting your marriage, or, you know, it's hurting your relationship with God. And so you come up with an answer to those things. Here, here's the linchpin, so to speak. Do something about it. Do something about it. Make this the year you do something about it. Set some God-honoring relational goals. You know, things that will allow you to take the next step so that you can start improving those relationships in your life. See, relationally, everybody ends up somewhere. But only those that see clearly, that get a vision for their relationship, end up somewhere on purpose. That's the big difference. Am I going to end up here by accident, or am I going to end up there on purpose? Now, let's stand for a word of prayer. We'll pick this up next week. Our holy God, God, today we lay our relational life before you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just whisper. Maybe we need to be nurturing something. Maybe we need to get a vision for what our marriage looks like, what it means to be a parent. Maybe there's a relationship that needs repaired, that's just broken. God, I pray whatever whatever question may be ignited something, that we'd take it to the next step and we'd do something about it. God, I pray that this year's not like last year, see what happens. But God, we would we'd take a step. We'd ask you to take that step with us. That by 2020, Lord, we could look back and go, you know what, I did some things wrong, but I got some things right and gained some ground in this area. God, I pray that you'd give us the strength to not only see what you would have us change, but to actually do something. God, I thank you. I thank you for the friendships in my life. Thank you for the 
people that have made me stronger and better. God, we give you the glory and the praise with everything we say and do. We lay it all before you, Lord. And all God's people said, let's join in worship together.